Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Sunday afternoon. We are still in the midst of a a still slow-burning off-season as it goes for the MLB. Earlier this week, we saw a lot of non-tendered players now added to the big pool of available players in addition to the uh, members that were already free agents. So that kind of creating a a little bit of confusion, I guess, out there is now there's some more interesting names out there, uh, not at that top tier, but uh, some other things for the Cubs to possibly consider. So we will talk about some of those things. Obviously, that means the Cubs made some moves non-tenders and tendering certain players' contracts. We will talk about that and other goings-on in this off-season. But I think to start, Brendan, we are, uh, again, coming to you on Sunday, December 2nd, and we would be remiss if we did not point out that December 1st is the birthday of none other than the most exciting player in Major League Baseball, He is your favorite player's favorite player. He is El Mago. He is none other than Ednal Javier Baez. He turned 26 this Saturday, and we want to wish him a very happy birthday. 
what do you get Javi Baez for his birthday? What do you get the man that has like everything? I don't know. Right? How about another World Series championship this year? How about that? I I think that that would be a a good a good birthday gift. He you know finished second obviously in the MVP voting recently. I think that would have been a nice gift. Uh, but it was a a very good. 2018 for young Javi. He uh, obviously exploded uh, in terms of his on-the-field baseball production. Uh, He had his first son finish his second in MVP voting. And uh, What a year for Javi, man. What a year. Yeah, just a big year. So I I think uh, we could sit here and go through all of our our favorite things about Javi, but I I think we've probably spent a good portion of the episodes in 2018 doing just that. Uh, That's how good he was, and just at the the forefront of the Cubs and Major League Baseball he was during this year. So I I think we'll just leave it at that. A a very happy 26th birthday to Javier Baez. And, you know, also every time these birthdays comes up, you are reminded of just how young these players are. And, well, for and, me, it's the opposite. Are. For me, it's like, man, they're getting older. Like 20. Oh, you're feeling he's old? Yeah, with 20. I mean, I feel like I've known Javi. Like, Javi's been part of my life now for like almost a decade. Right. <laughs> so he's getting, he's getting old in my mind. 26. Like, before you know it, he'll be 30, and then the Cubs will, you know, be back in, in, in a bad position. It's like, you know, you got to enjoy it while you can. All right. Well, that's what, yeah. I mean, another way to look at it is for me to look at it and go, okay, Javi's now a year younger than me, and he just did all those things that I listed, and I'm sitting here, uh, you know, in my office recording a podcast talking about him. So I'm not quite uh, as far as Javi in in this life, but I'm I'm more than happy to be here talking about him. (laughs) Uh, I do enjoy it. So... Uh, yeah. But yeah, a, a happy birthday to Javi, and I, I think that even though he may seem old or older to you, Brendan, I, I think it is a, a good reminder that there there is still a lot on the horizon for him, and, and as exciting as 2018 was, um, who knows if he'll top it or match it, but I think that Javi's one of those guys who you look forward to 2019 and seeing you know, just what else does this guy have in store for us? Yeah. And I, I was reminded, uh, Tom Tango actually tweeted this out, and it's just a small little tidbit before we move on here, but he showed this this graph of like a combination between swinging at pitches outside the strike zone and then swinging at pitches like in the center of the plate. And of course, there's like a correlation to that. So I bring that up because it's almost... Like the main issue with Javi over the years was he's swinging at too many bad pitches. But if you tell him to stop doing that, you may swing at less good pitches. And I think one of the reasons why Javi was so good last year because he was just able to be himself. And, you know, he took his hacks, but at the same time, he took his good hacks and came away with almost an MVP season. So I just wanted to point that out. Tom Tango tweeted that. I thought it was very useful for for this point of Javi's career. And another thing, Brendan, just to you know, because we mentioned all the the players that are uh, tendered contracts is that deadline was earlier this week. Shelby Miller, (laughs) non-tendered by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And there was a very strong, I don't know if you want to call it a rumor, but I I mean, Gordon Wittenmeyer, one of the Cubs beat writers, if you want to call him that, actually tweeted there, there's, you know, a, a, a sort of infamous screen cap amongst Cubs Twitter now, he tweeted, you know, the Cubs are sending Javi Baez to Atlanta 
for Shelby Miller. Like, this is a done trade. This is what's happening. Yeah. Um, that is, of course, not what happened. Uh, Shelby Miller obviously ending up in Arizona for Dansby Swanson. Thank God. But I think always just uh, anytime those things happen, I, I think that they're really amusing to point out because Shelby Miller non-tendered. Uh, you know, the Diamondbacks don't want him, don't want to pay for his, his salary and his services anymore. And Javi, you know, just finished second in, in MVP voting. So that is just kind of the way baseball goes. And and one of those times, I think you can look at, look back on what could have been and uh, thank your lucky stars that that was not the reality that we were living yeah, in. Yeah, could you imagine that? Oof. Yeah, I mean, that was a terrible trade for uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, I think, even at the time. And, you know, certainly with hindsight, that is a scary thought to think of uh, Javi Baez in an an Atlanta Braves uniform (laughs) these last few years uh, doing this stuff while Shelby Miller was not very good. So um, glad that that didn't happen. Mm. Thank you, Theo and Jed, for uh, not doing that. But... We did get some other Cubs news this week, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that perhaps opinions on him may have varied throughout Cubs fandom, but he was a member of this team for uh, a few years now and was a a, a big part of it, and, and certainly, um, you know, from a personal perspective, I think very close with a lot of the players, but... Tommy LaStella traded to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim earlier this week, uh, so thus ending his tenure with the Chicago Cubs. So, Brendan, I I, I don't know if you had any uh, favorite Tommy LaStella moments. I, I think you and I probably on the more pessimistic side as it related to Tommy LaStella fandom. Um, yeah. I don't know that we were the leaders of that fan club, but, you know, again, he, he was a part of this this era of Cubs baseball and uh, oftentimes a positive part of that. Well, I think any player from that 2016 team that goes to a different team is, is going to be kind of, not a big deal, but almost like a nostalgic type thing, right? I mean, we saw this for really any of the Cubs from that team, go elsewhere and you get this type of reaction, whether it's Jason Hamill. Like Jason Hamill put in an advertisement in the Tribune thanking the fans. Like of course Hamill was a significant part, but like, you know, a fifth pitcher, uh not not usually not what you see. Um so yeah, I think when when Tommy is gone, uh personally like I'm with you. I'm a little pessimistic about his his value, whatever, but I did appreciate him as a as a person, as a teammate, and he was fun to watch him interact with a lot of his teammates. He was great friends with Arietta. I think he continues to even be part of Arietta's uh, friendship group, if you will, always posting on social media and whatnot. And teammates loved him. The the whole Theo, Jed, and Lestella thing during spring training with the the jump thing, whatever that thing is called, you know what I'm talking about, right? And then all the pranks they pulled off during spring training with uh, the the video board phone number that Tommy Listella supposedly almost uh, was given out. So a lot of fun with that. Uh, I think above all else, it will be kind of nice not to see Jesse Rogers uh, tweet 3 a.m., you know, like almost every other game whenever there is a pinch hit opportunity. Uh, so 
outside of of that, I think my my lasting thought with Listella is is I think it is positive just because he was part of the best era in, in Cubs history, right? And yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that he he is what he is as a player, and you know, for the Cubs, he was what he was is my eloquent way of saying that. You know, we all know he was not a good fielder; he had a terrible arm. Um, and, you know, generally when he got regular playing time, he was not able to bring that level of production at the plate. Um, but his ability to come off cold from the bench and put together good at bats and get hits is something that has value in this league. And, you know, I I think it it just got to a point and gets to a point where I I just don't think that the Cubs necessarily have space for for that anymore. They have so many guys on this roster that are so versatile and can be interchanged in in, in different positions and can handle better that regular playing time. Right. And I, I think that, you know, unfortunately it just doesn't fit anymore. You know, you just you, you just don't have room for a guy who is uh a bench bat and, you know, a I think questionably reliable one at that, you know. Um he certainly had some some big pinch hits uh in his time with the Cubs. Uh you know, I think th- this year the one that stands out is the home run off of uh Fultonevich in Atlanta to win that game, you know, a a go-ahead home run for the Cubs there, Uh, you know, and that was, I think, maybe August, but later in the season. So, you know, those were important games, and, and, you know, he came through for the Cubs there. Obviously, he's the third man in that David Ross, Anthony Rizzo, uh, I'm in a glass case of emotions (laughs) video from Game 7 of the World Series, which the Cubs do win in 2016 when when they win the World Series. Right. And, you know, so I think those little moments, like you said, you know, he, he was a big part of, I think, the fabric of this locker room is, is I think, uh, a good way to say that. And, you know, like you said, his relationships with some of these players is, is well documented. He's, he's, he's very close with some of these players. So I think something like that is, is valuable and his role was valuable, but just as this team progresses and as, uh, you know, some of these other guys progress, it just is harder to justify keeping a guy like that. And, you know, you look at even someone like, I think David Bodie is a good example mm-hmm. of, I think, kind of the difference of where you're prioritizing things right now. Because obviously Bodie is younger, you know, has more of a, I guess, projectable future, if you will, as an MLB player. He's just a better and, player, too. <laughs> right. He He's a very good defender. He He's he's good at, at multiple positions, um, you know, giving you highlight real plays at third base uh, on, on a fairly regular basis. And though he struggled at the plate as he continued to get more regular playing time, you know, he's young. This was his first experience at that. So, you know, that's something you want to cultivate and build on. And obviously the way he was hitting when he first started getting playing time, you know, that that's stuff that you build on. And, you know, you just look at La Stella, he, he's a pinch hitter at best. And, uh, it just, there's just not really a spot for it. And, you know, like you said, Brendan, like, I think you and I, again, were, were definitely on, on the, uh, you know, more, we were less bullish on right. Tommy Listella, I, I think, than others. I, I generally did not look forward, uh, to his, his plate appearances. And again, I, I recognize that coming cold off the bench, um, and being able to get 
really any hits is an extremely difficult task, uh, especially with where the skill level and, uh, you know, just overall strength of pitching in, in, in baseball nowadays and what young pitchers are, are bringing to the table. Um, right. But I, you know, there were a lot of pinch hit at bats that, you know, Tommy, they were really bad at bats. <laughs> you know, he, he would whiff through three pitches, uh, nowhere close. And, you know, that was that. So uh, that's all to say that, you know, even the guys that are, are, are really good pinch hitters and the best pinch hitters, it's still a very hard task. And it's very hard to be, uh, I think, good enough at that, that it's like, no, absolutely, we have to keep this guy because he's just, you know, nails when he comes off the bench. And, you know, nobody can stop him. And, you know, I just don't think that was the case. So um, I, I think, again, it, it uh, Tommy will always be a part of of this group. Uh, you know, he's been here since 2015. So he was a part of all of this. And I think that, uh, you know, as, as fans and people who have watched him, um, I think we thank him for that. And he'll always be a part of that and always a part of those memories. Uh, and we wish him the best of luck yeah, of in Anaheim. Of course. I think that's 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 really where it is. Yeah. I hope he I hope you know he's able to uh have a good role there, you know, maybe get a little more playing time uh on, you know, a team in, in a different position, obviously, than the Cubs, you know, more trying to figure out their future and and get better and, and build a better roster. Um, and I think the Cubs, you know, have some higher aspirations. So I think they're, they're, you know, hopefully going to be able to put together, um, you know, a roster where, you know, I guess their worst guy on the bench, uh, you know, is a step above Listella. Right. So, I mean, there were, there was a point there where the writing was on the wall. Like once Bodie became kind of a more everyday force with the team. Like there, there was no chance Lestella was going to be brought back, especially with escalating arbitration. Granted, it's only like a million to a million and a half, but still it's a million dollars. And when you look at his numbers last year, like he only had a 300 Woba and it was like really down from years past. So it makes sense. And again, the lasting image will be him celebrating the world series, sprinting to the field right by Schwarber and that that will be it. It's almost like the same thing with Caesar, right? Like Caesar is still in a weird way, like part of the Cubs. He keeps painting all these World Series paintings. Right. Yet he's an active player of a different organization and has many more years to come. So that's kind of what will happen. I think. I think Lestella, despite him being in Los Angeles, will be part of this team and this franchise for years to come. Despite him not being an active member of the team currently. Farewell to Tommy. Estella, that is uh, all she wrote on that chapter in Cubs baseball. But the Cubs, not necessarily losing, uh, but at least from their roster in 2018, they will not return Jesse Chavez, who re-signed with the Texas Rangers for $8 million on a two-year deal. And I, I know that there was... I think certainly a large portion of the fan base that was hoping to have Chavez back, who, you know, certainly saw the role that he played in that bullpen in 2018, which was, you know, I think looking back on it, a really monumental one. He he was really, really good for the Chicago Cubs. And at a time in particular where the bullpen was in real flux, you know, the stuff with, with Brandon Morrow was all over the place, whether he was going to be able to come back, uh, he was close to coming back, then not coming back. Etc. 
the the, the wear and tear we saw on guys like Steve Ciszek and you know Edwards just just kind of running out of steam down the stretch and Jesse Chavez was able to come in and give the Cubs really whatever they needed. He he was pitching early in games, late in games. He was doing an inning at a time, two innings at a time. So it just, he was very good for this team. Um, but at 35, he goes to the Rangers uh, for two years. So Brendan, you know, your gut reaction to this, I think both of us would have been fine having him back. Um, but But where are you on, A, the Cubs not bringing him back, and I think B, looking at specifically what he goes to the Rangers for. And a reminder, he he was on the Rangers when the Cubs acquired him. So obviously he's going back somewhere where he has some familiarity. So you never know where that stuff factors in uh, on the length of the contract, the money on the contract. It's, you know, basically saying, I don't know that it would have been the same price for the Cubs, but looking at this contract as it is, are you thinking the Cubs, you know, should have paid that or should have been willing to pay that? Or are you okay, you know, moving on from Chavez if they're going to look to bolster the bullpen elsewhere? I'm, I'm fine moving on from Chavez. And the reason being is just because of his age. It's nothing against Chavez's current ability. If he can continue to pitch like he did last year, then of course, I would be more comfortable giving him $4 million to do that. But the reality is, once you get to that age, especially for relievers, you don't know what to expect. And I think there's no better example than Brian Dunsing. Like when the Cubs shelled out the same contract to Dunsing as the one Chop has just received, that two-year, seven, eight million dollars, it seemed like a good deal at the time, almost like a slam dunk, especially for Dunsing coming off a year where he had a 2.7 ERA with the Cubs. Same thing with Chavez to a degree, had a better run with the Cubs than, than Dunsing did. But point being is for relievers, they're already volatile to begin with. For older relievers, exponentiate that. And with the Cubs' financial restrictions right now, they're already way over the first luxury tax penalty. They have so many other options on the table from guys who are not even tendered contracts to potential free agents. I'm fine with it. And they already have so many guys kind of accumulating at the AAA and AA level that could be immediate impact arms, I'm, I'm fine with that. And I enjoyed watching Chavez. I, I really, and I love the pickup once they got him. I think out of, you know, most other people who are following the Cubs and tweeting about it, I think you and I were probably the highest on it. And again, if Chavez was 100% projected to do exactly what he did with, with the Cubs for the next season, yeah, I would have been fine giving him that money. But at the same time, that's not realistic. And for him to go on back to Texas, 35 years old, getting paid $4 million for the next two years, I don't want to be the one paying that. I don't want to take that risk given the Cubs' current situation right now. So, yeah, that's where I am with it. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think really this is one of those moves that I, I think will have to be judged perhaps as we see what else the Cubs do. Because I think they're certainly going to need to do some bolstering to this bullpen. I mean, the bullpen has issues. They're going to have to figure something else out. But I think the answer is not going to be in giving more money to just guys who are not really that projectable at this point. You want more reliability, right? Like The bullpen's already unreliable, unreliable to begin with. I'd rather go out and make an impact move for a younger guy who you know you have a better chance of getting value out of that contract. 
Right, right. So I, I just think this is one of those moves that's going to be have to. You're going to have to view it in, I think, a larger, a larger context, and just see what they do. Because again, you know, yeah. we mentioned there. There's just a lot of names already out there. I, I think we've discussed, uh, you know, some of them, but you know, guys like Adam Adovino from Colorado, and then you just look at this list of guys that were non-tendered, and it it just sort of grows. There, there's a lot of options out there, and you know, are the are the Cubs necessarily going to be bringing in? Uh, you know, like a a Craig Kimbrell type. I, I don't I don't know. Probably not. But then you have guys but, like Andrew Miller out there, and you have Blake Parker, who was just non tender. Right, he was just non tender. Exactly. So there's so many yeah. other guys they can. There's a lot of options, yeah, exactly. and and I think you're right that Jesse Chavez was really really good uh, for the Cubs. Just looking at this uh, article on ESPN here, he had a 1.68 ERA after June 1st with 61 strikeouts and 11 walks in 64 in a third innings. That is really, really good. But like Brendan said, you know, you've got a guy, he he was second in the majors last year with 95 in a third innings at 35 years old. You know, there there probably is just a better way to go about it. And, and it may just be one of those situations where you look at it and you say, Jesse Chavez was a huge part of the success that the Cubs did have in 2018. They probably, you know, do not maybe even get to that tie-breaking game with the Brewers without him. And, you know, you look at even, you know, it it didn't go obviously the way that the Cubs wanted, but all those close games down the stretch there that that did get them into that wild card game uh, and in the tie-breaking game, he was a huge part of it. And I I don't think that that goes— as well, certainly, if Jesse Chavez is not there. Uh, but it might be one of those things that you say, hey, thank you, Jesse. That This is a guy who made a huge impact, I think, on the fan base. I mean, there were a lot of people who were really into Jesse Chavez, uh, which I think is at least not always common with a, a reliever who, who comes over in, in a trade halfway through the season. Um, and that's it. Yeah. And I, and I think that's fine, you know, and, but I think that a guy doing well, and I think, you know, your dunsing example, though they're not the same pitcher, you know what is you know a good what example. Get at, yeah. Of course, yeah. it's one of those things, right, this is a really good performance, we don't necessarily need to assume and pay for hoping that that keeps repeating itself for another couple of years. Yeah. And I, I think you're right, that this, this bullpen needs to really be strengthened overall. And I, I don't know that, you know, even just putting together the group you had last year or a similar group, I, I don't know that, I don't think that's enough. So I, I think, yeah, it, Jesse Chavez was great. He was a huge part of the Cubs in 2018. And I, I think perhaps we just say thank you and, you know, we'll see you down the road. <laughs> a lot of, the, Cubs make a, a lot of, yeah. the Cubs make a lot of moves with the Texas Rangers. So I, I wouldn't rule out that Jesse Chavez is back with the Cubs. You may be at the trade deadline or something if he's having another successful year because <laughs> uh, Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein seem to have John Daniels on on speed dial here. So, uh, but yeah, again, you know, kind of like Tommy, these guys are going to the AL. Good luck to Jesse. I, I hope he is able to, uh, you know, keep thriving as a reliever there. Right. And I, I, I mean, that's, what it is really i think at the end of the day it just comes down for me this the age thing and if jesse chavez was 31 32 then i'm fine giving him that money but relievers are finicky man i mean even andrew miller is a good example the guy was in josh Hader status just two seasons ago and now he won't even make 
like half of what Kimbrel will make on the market. Maybe we'll see, but that's that's the nature of the situation. And there's so many other areas of improvement that Cubs need to address. I mean, starting in the outfield, starting even in the middle infield with some uncertainty there as well. There's a lot of ways the Cubs need to explore to improve. And I think the bullpen and giving out more money to a 35-year-old reliever is just not the way to go, Corey. Yeah, I I think that that is uh, certainly a fair analysis of that. So there are a couple other non-tendered players uh, by the Cubs that I just want to read off since we were talking about those non-tenders. The Cubs acquired, well, I guess reacquired uh, Yankees infielder Ronald Torres, who you may remember if you've ever seen those pictures of Aaron Judge and someone who looks like the Yankees bat boy, (laughs) but is a player on the Yankees, that's Ronald Torres, um, who must be what, like a full foot and a half shorter they than say he's five Aaron Judge? Six, but I, I don't So that know. would put him a, a little over a foot shorter than Judge. He looks shorter than five six too, but what do I know? He definitely does. Do yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, he definitely does. Uh but so they, they acquired him in, you know, a pretty useless trade, uh, and then non tendered him on Friday. So a lot of kind of speculative theories about what the Cubs are doing there. I'm not entirely positive, if if you want my opinion. Uh, and they also non-tendered Justin Hancock and Alan Webster, two uh, right-handed relievers that we saw throughout the season. So not necessarily the biggest of news, but just adding to that list of, of players uh, now in that, that free agent pool, those are the ones that are sent out there by the Cubs. But Brendan, I I think that you in particular wanted to discuss a rumor that we saw this week uh, as it related to Wilson Contreras. So Mm -hmm. it was Craig Mish on Twitter who put this, uh, this rumor out there. And What he said was, I'm unclear, this was on November 30th, I'm unclear what level of interest the Cubs have in Rio Muto, the Marlins catcher, but they do. Sources have indicated to me they could move on from Contreras as well. So an interesting nugget there. (laughs) Yeah, and, and I think one of those things that when... You, when I read the tweet, when it came across my timeline, I I really did do a double take. Um, and you know, Craig Mish is a national. His his Twitter bio reads exactly as this: National sports radio host for Sirius X, Sirius XM, also hosts a Marlins podcast. Uh, so you can kind of take this stuff as you will, but I believe he's a fairly respected name and and not necessarily someone who is just throwing this stuff out there, you know, looking through some of his stuff. He had information on um, Ozuna going to the Cardinals when they made that trade this past offseason. So he he is in tune with with stuff as it relates to uh, the Miami Marlins. So when this came across 
my timeline, you, you do kind of a double take because you're like, wait a minute, what, you know, what, what did I just read? Something about the Cubs <laughs> moving on from Contreras. Uh, and then we actually got kind of like Rizzo when he tweeted about uh, those Chris Bryant rumors and kind of shot them down and, and talked about people writing clickbait. Wilson Contreras actually tweeted just LOL dot dot <laughs> dot uh, a few hours after that was going on. I, I you know, I can't guarantee that he was responding to those rumors, but obviously given the timing, certainly seems like that was his response to those rumors. So I'll throw it to you, Brendan. This is a lot to kind of digest. And again, I think we cautioned this at the beginning of the the off season, but these are rumors and, and there are going to be discussions that we have, that, that everybody has, that end up having no bearing on anything. And I think as Cubs fans, you all should know that. We certainly know that. And I say that because, Brendan, unless I miss something, Brian Roberts and Jake Keevy never played for the Chicago Cubs, but I would be lying if I said I didn't spend it's got to be days worth of my life either writing about it, talking to people about it, or just thinking about the Cubs acquiring Jake Peavy and Brian Roberts because it was talked about relentlessly for years. So sometimes these rumors are nonsense. They're nothing. And we'll look back on this and go, well, that was a stupid conversation, you know, because nothing happened. But who knows? This is out there. You've got respected reporters putting this stuff out there. So what was your initial take on this? I, I mean, I suppose in in multiple facets. I, I guess first, just the Cubs maybe having interest in JT Rio Muto, uh, who is one of the premier catchers in the game right now, and and maybe together or separately, the notion that they can move on from Contreras. Because obviously, the Rio Muto stuff is interesting, but even anybody saying to a reporter that they've heard the Cubs could move on from Contreras was a pretty jarring thing to read, Uh, right? I I mean, you know, we hear these like, these rival executives said this, or I'm hearing this. We hear that stuff all the time, but I don't, unless I miss something, I don't think I've ever read the Cubs. uh, I've never read somebody saying the Cubs might do something else than Wilson Contreras. That was what was so jarring, too, because despite Wilson having, let's not kid ourselves, it was an underwhelming year in 2018, but you compare him to what other catchers did, he still had a pretty good year. I mean, he still had, he was still a league average offensive hitter, and he had 550 plate appearances. He led Major League Baseball in that. So he was healthy for the most part, and he was still better than most catchers offensively. Now, here's where after a while of, of you know, rereading that tweet over and over again, it, it started to make maybe a little bit more sense, and which prompted really why I wanted to talk about this. Wilson has not been good defensively in terms of pitch framing, really even blocking. And I know he has a cannon of an arm, and I, I say all this kind of in caution because I know how this can be interpreted. But I, I think if you've watched most of these games, like I think a lot of you guys have, you've noticed there has been times where Wilson is just not receiving the ball well, and he's he really is costing his pitchers strikes. So 
You compare that with what Real Mudo's, I can't, I can't say his name, Real Mutu, what he has done over the years. He's been more consistent, maybe a little bit more consistent offensively, but ultimately he's been a more consistent defender. And I wrote about this on Cubs Insider, which probably will be published on, on Monday. So when you're listening to this, you can see more about it. But really the, the, the defensive value that Contreras had last year was the worst in Major League Baseball. I mean, we're talking about a decimal worse than the next worst guy. So by baseball prospectus's standards, Contreras, despite having a cannon of an arm, he was the worst defensive catcher from a blocking standpoint, from a receiving standpoint, even when you consider his ability to throw runners out. And I know that stat and a lot of these catching stats don't encompass everything that players do, like calling games and controlling the run game, especially when you have Lester on the mound. So I understand that. But... I'm curious to see where this goes because the Cubs have made it well known that they're going to consider trading guys who you may not be comfortable with them trading. And Theo has said this over the years now, countless times. And he even said like during the press conference, again, the theme of the offseason, production, not talent. And I think there is an argument. If you can go out and get value for Contreras at the same time, bringing in Real Muto, yeah, like I'm willing to consider that. And this is not a knock against Contreras because if he's the Cubs starting catcher by 2019, I'm cool with that too. But I think a year ago, I was maybe not as cool with that idea. But just seeing Wilson not being able to progress defensively has shifted my thinking process. And now I'm more willing to accept, yeah, he may not be the solution for this current Cubs crop of players. He's one of the better catchers in the league, but if you can go out there and get value while bringing in the other best catcher in the league, I think it's worth considering, Corey. Yeah, it was a lot to digest. And I, I do think, like you said, it's it's one of those things where you try to maybe parse your words a little carefully when you talk about stuff like yeah. this, because I think it goes without saying, uh, but... You know, I love Wilson Contreras. He's he's our guy, and and you know his his passion, and just the love of the game of baseball. And you know when he's wearing that uniform for the Chicago Cubs, you know he's one of those guys you really believe he would die on that field to win a game for the Chicago Cubs. And that stuff, you know, it translates. You feel that as a fan, and you know obviously he's been a huge part of all this, and he's a very good player. Uh, but with where this off season is, and if all the stuff about the payroll and the luxury tax and all that stuff is to be believed, you have to, I think, accept the possibility that anything might be on the table. And I know that we... I, I say anything uh, except for trading Chris Bryant because uh, <laughs> that's Rizzo still too. extremely stupid, right? Um, and I, you know, look, I not to get into a whole thing there, but I don't think Brendan and I need to explain why Chris Bryant is untradeable, but Wilson might be. Uh, but if we do, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like we're probably not going to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think this offseason, there just 
I am prepared for them doing anything. And when you look at, again, we know that they are not happy with the result in 2018. They were not happy with the result in 2017, but they had just won a World Series. But now you've got two years in a row where you do not complete your ultimate goal. You uh, get kind of bounced around a bit at the end of both of those seasons. You know, the Dodgers run through them in 2017 in the NLCS. uh, And then obviously the last few days of the season in 2018 were about as close to a nightmare as any of us could have envisioned. So they're not happy. And they are going to try to reconfigure this team as best they can. And if they ultimately do not have the money to add Bryce Harper or add, you know, big top name bullpen arms or whatever, you know, they would ideally want to do in in a perfect world from a front office perspective, stuff like this is what may end up happening. And it it may be maneuvering certain players around and making, even if they're marginal upgrades at certain positions, that might be what they try to do. And so, again, it was a jarring thing to read. I mean, really, like I don't often do a double take when I read (laughs) tweets, but I I really like looked at that and went, what? And I, I, I think I messaged the you know, the little chat group that Brendan and I have with Evan Altman of CubsInsider.com and just wrote, uh, with like 50 H's, like what, (laughs) you know, like what am I reading right now? Cause like, this is a real reporter who like knows what he's talking about. And, and this is what he's saying, like what's going on here. But I, I, I'm kind of, I do kind of understand it, Brendan. I, I think that, yeah, not every one of these players can be just stuck in that position, you know, Anthony Rizzo is our first baseman, that's it. You can't have every player at every position be like that. And, you know, you look at the way this roster is comprised, and, you know, unless they can find a way to move him, you know, Jason Hayward's playing one of those outfield positions, and that's fine. Anthony Rizzo's your first baseman, Chris Bryant is your third baseman, though he could play somewhere else, but Chris Bryant's playing somewhere. Javi Baez is one of your middle infielders. We'll see how that whole situation plays out and what the Cubs ultimately decide to do there as far as that portion of the roster is concerned. But, you know, that's already a few guys that, like, these guys are playing and, you know, you either can't move them because of how good they are and and, and their contract and everything, or, you know, in someone like Hayward, it's it's just going to be too difficult to move them. So, you know, ultimately, if you if you add Contreras to that, if you add other guys to that, you know, you're you're limiting yourself. You're 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 limiting yourself and saying, well, we can't move any of these guys, so we're going to have to find somewhere else to get better. And if they ultimately decide, you know, look, we can make a slight upgrade at catcher. You know, then maybe spend some money here, spend a little money here. You know, cut a little payroll here, and we can kind of find our way to slightly increasing the value of this team, they might have to do it. It's certainly not how we drew up this offseason, but it's a way for the front office to operate. And I think as far as Contreras goes, I I don't know, Brendan, the more I thought about this, the less crazy it seems. Like, obviously, you're trading a guy 
in Wilson, who is not ARB eligible until 2020, is not a free agent until 2023 for, and I don't, I'm not even sure in, in this rumor if they would be trading the guys straight up. Uh, maybe they could acquire Rio Muto and keep Contreras. I, I, who knows? Because this was, the, I read the tweet. That was all it said, and we really haven't gotten any follow up to that. But I, I think Rio Muto only has two years of control left, if I'm remembering that correctly. So obviously you're, yeah. you're giving up a lot of control. And it's, I mean, four, it's four years for two years, if you want to look at it like that. So. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that I, I don't necessarily love. But I, I, I do ultimately think that it's possible, and just hear me out on this, it's <laughs> possible that Wilson is not going to be able to reach that kind of level we saw at his peak. And, and you know, thinking about... The, when, when do you think his peak was? What was his peak? Probably the second half of 2017. Or just before he hurt his hamstring, you mean, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Where I, I, he was I just agree really with that. That's hot. probably his peak. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, this is... this is I, I, I do want to make this clear, and I think, you, you know, you kind of did, Brendan, but this is this is really talking about can this team possibly make marginal improvements. This is not at all a discussion of, you know, Wilson is bad, get rid of Wilson, nothing close to that. This is a a conversation of if the Cubs cannot go out and spend $300, $400 million on Bryce Harper to make that immediate impact, make this team clearly better, what can they do to make those little improvements that maybe buy you another win, two wins, three wins, whatever, across the diamond and throughout this team. So so that is what this is a discussion of. And also, I, we didn't put this rumor out there. We're just responding to it. So I just want to make that clear because like, we love Wilson. It's not about that. But I, I do think it's possible that his overall, where he kind of levels out as a player is not at that, that ceiling. And you know, part of that is, you know, again, this is a guy who sort of comes up through the system and very few people were expecting this guy to be a sure thing starting catcher, you know, one of the top uh, probably, what, five, three catchers in the league just from an overall production perspective. I think he was in the 2018 season, he was fourth in terms of wins above replacement at 2.6. Cervelli was third, at 3.3, Grandal, 3.6, uh, was second, and Rio Muto uh, was first, kind of a, a good bit ahead at 4.8. So, you know, he, he's a he's an, a very good player, but it's it's just sort of a question of, you know, you look at the, the kind of struggles he had through a, a large part of the season in 2018 at the plate, and you brought up those defensive struggles. And again, you know, just looking at this group as the Cubs are in an absolute win-now mode, and how can they be better than last year? And 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 my my first thought when that question comes up, or when we were looking at this offseason, certainly was not the catcher position. I, I that's just not where I would have been. But it makes, but it does make sense. But it, I think but right, you, that that's the thing. Yeah. It it is a position where it is possible for them to see some value. And In, yeah. I, I, so again, I, I, you'd have to be looking at exactly if this was a trade and it was 
Rio Muto, for Contreras, and obviously some other moving pieces there, you'd have to look at exactly what that trade was to be able to properly value it. And at this point, we don't, again, we, we didn't see any other information than that. But just in terms of this rumor and, and seeing Contreras's name there, I, I don't think it's as crazy as it may initially seem. But again, even in saying that it might make sense and, you know, maybe being a little unsure of exactly what Wilson's going to be able to do from a uh, production standpoint going forward, this is a move that would have, you you have to be improving at that position. And if you got Riamuto for those two years, I think you would be doing that. And you could argue the kind of long-term ramifications, whether it's worth it, etc., but this team is in a win now. We have to get better than we were in 2018 mode. And that, you know, it doesn't, it, that doesn't seem like the craziest way to go about it, even though it's not really at all what I would have anticipated, you know, when we entered into this offseason. The discussion's contingent on the Cubs getting real Muto and that that's where the crux of this discussion ends essentially is if real mutu is not available we're not having this discussion and i think if we're being honest if rather if i'm being honest i, I got to say guys there was there were some games where i was so so irritated with some of wilson's receiving his pitch receiving and i I, again, it's I I I know I'm walking on eggshells saying this, but I I was irritated with that. I think a lot of the numbers do show that. I I just want to read this one number because it is so jarring for me. But if we look at Contreras's overall defensive value from when he debuted, he was pretty good. He was actually really good, and I don't know if that's because it was a small sample or whatever. But he was worth like eight runs. So he saved the Cubs eight runs in 2016 as a catcher. Then you fast forward to that 2017 year and he costs the Cubs about one run. And then this, this most recent year, he cost the Cubs almost 16 runs, 16 runs. If you want to equate that to wins, that's a win and a half that the Cubs may have had if Wilson Contreras was able to just be league average. And if you want to go a step further, and I'm not saying this is a causative, I'm just, you know, throwing out the interpretation of some of these numbers. One win is the difference between them winning the division and playing that 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 wild card game. And that's exactly what Theo said, right? Just one win away. And I think if you can improve by one win, by two wins, and it makes sense financially, it makes sense by getting the most out of other players as well, I think you have to do it. And that's that's why this discussion is so interesting to me because I think this is the first true example of the Cubs dealing from their young major league core that's providing value currently. Now, they did this in the past with Solaire, but Solaire wasn't a main part of that current core. He wasn't getting 500 plate appearances. So this is the first time we're seeing that. Uh, my, my preference... I, I don't know like I don't know if I want if I, if I want to trade Contreras I, I'm not I'm not saying that it depends what else is on the table but seeing how this offseason is already turning out like you look at the Mets and the Mariners trading for Cano and Diaz as a way to save money you're putting prospects in that deal that's a wild deal that's a crazy deal 
And I'm not going to be surprised if we're going to be hearing similar stuff about the Cubs even trading like bad contract or somewhat bad contract with prospects involved. And that means trading Hayward. It might mean trading Schwarber. It might mean trading Contreras. Like it's going to be a crazy, this is going to be a crazy offseason. And I don't think we were, we're just now scratching the surface. And I would be surprised if we don't hear another rumor surrounding Contreras and some other rumors that, are, that kind of seem crazy at first. But once you look at it, it might make sense. I, I don't I don't think it's crazy, but you'd have to be sure you're getting better as a team. This is just one of those players where we're not talking about a guy like you're just okay getting rid of. Like I, I, I would be okay. Like if you want to trade Wilson – all right, like I'm listening, but you know, you you better have a really strong plan, and this team better get better. You, you, you in the you know, in the immediacy too, right? Like in 2019, right. not not for the future. Like you were talking about better now, right? A hundred percent. Like because this is just one of those things. You're, you're trading a guy who has been very good, very productive, and a huge part of this team, and I think especially at its emotional core of this team. Wilson Contreras is at the heart of that. So if if there's discussions about this, like I'm listening, but this team has to get better. And this has to, like you said, Brendan, be something that really tangibly leads to this team being better and taking that extra step that they weren't able to do in 2018. Mm. But again, I think we cautioned this at the beginning of the offseason that this kind of felt like an offseason that might get a little crazy out there. You know, so this was certainly, uh, <laughs> I, I think, right in line with that. As again, I was not expecting to read this, uh, and it was a little crazy. So, one, one, one last thought with that too before we move on here. But we talked, I think it was the first or second week of November when we were just kind of, you know, regurgitating some of the thoughts that were being thrown out there by some reporters and whatnot. But one of the things that I mentioned was this current group of Cubs players. There's there's reason to believe that it's not like a reliable projection. And again, I say this all in caution, but I think even with, with Javi, I don't know if you can rely on him being the same player as he was last season. Maybe, and I hope he is, and I, I think he has a great chance to be, but I'm being realistic here. And I think the same thing can be said about Wilson is you look at his season in 2016, 2017, and then he follows up in 2018 by basically having a, not a goose egg, but a really disappointing season offensively from what he was expected to do. That's the point I'm saying. Like you want to have reliable players, guys who have reliable projections. And I think in this current point in the Cubs tenure, having a young Chris Bryant, having a relatively young Anthony Rizzo, this current pitching staff, you can't risk this anymore. Like I feel we're in a sensitive period where if you get real Muto, like you know, 100%, you know that he's going to give you value, whether it's offensively or defensively. One way or the other, you're going to get some wins out of this guy. And I think, yeah, you're going to get wins out of Contreras too, but I think the reliability is lower for Wilson. And that's why I'm intrigued by that. And I think we're going to continue, we're going to, continue to hear similar stuff, whether it's Contreras or even other players as well. You want to get more reliability. I think that's another theme of of this offseason. Yeah. So this is uh this is what we're dealing with, folks. Uh we are dealing with talk of the Cubs payroll. Uh 
rumors about Wilson Contreras, uh, rumors about Chris Bryant, and it's barely December. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you are buckled in. Strap in. in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we're all over the place here. And, uh, you know, nothing necessarily major has happened, but we've certainly heard a lot about things that would pretty drastically alter the the look and feel of this team. So at least in that perspective, I'm prepared for that because mm-hmm. I just, at this point, I just don't know what to expect, but Theo is intent on making this team better. And if he doesn't have a, a blank check to pay with, uh, you know, uh, things might get a little interesting here. But I think the last topic we have for you, uh, obviously the Cubs tendering contracts to a, a lot of guys. I think the usual names that, that you would probably expect. Um, and then the the one making the news that they do tender a contract to Addison Russell. So I, I know that that was a a bit of a, you know, obviously a hot topic, but as the non-tender date approached, there was certainly a a large contingent of the Cubs fan base that was hoping the Cubs would just non-tender Addison Russell uh, and move on from that situation. Again, obviously, as he is suspended for the domestic violence incident that he was involved in, and uh, subsequently within what was that, two days ago, uh, yeah. apologized for, it admitted to a degree his wrongdoing in uh, a carefully prepared statement. And we also got a statement from Theo Epstein. I, I, I think that, that Brendan and I have talked about this a lot, this particular situation, um, and also have admitted at various times that you know we're not um, experts on domestic violence or, or these investigations. Um, but, you know, we tried to talk about what's going on with the Cubs, and this is certainly something that was all over the news and, and, and something that does uh, relate to the Cubs organization both on and off the field. So, you know, we do kind of feel compelled to at least explain what's going on to you guys and, and uh, try to offer whatever you know, kind of opinion that we can. Um, but the Cubs do tender him a contract. And, you know, Theo made it clear. It's a very lengthy statement from Theo Epstein. I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, but you can go to, I, I think it's on the Cubs Twitter, um, Cubs.com, any of the beat writers, you can read both of these statements. Um, but Theo, you know, really making the point that A, tendering him a contract uh, does not mean that he will be on the Chicago Cubs come opening day. Um, it doesn't really even mean he'll be a Chicago Cub tomorrow. Uh, it just means that he has the contract and, you know, will go to arbitration and the Cubs can proceed from there. It sort of just gives them a longer window to decide exactly how they want to approach this situation. And Theo also making it clear that, uh, you know, like he did in the previous times he's discussed this topic, he he makes it clear that their intention is to try to be a part of Addison growing as a a human being and, you know, doing what they can to provide him with, uh, I think they said counseling and, uh, you know, other resources that they can provide to help him grow as a person and hopefully prevent an incident from happening in the future. Um, 
And I think that that is really where my opinion on this is. Um, I think that in general, I would have preferred Addison offer an apology and and admitting that he had done something wrong uh, prior to like the day he needed to get a new contract. Um, it's just one of those things that when you look at these situations, it, it doesn't help for all of these words and all, and all of these discussions to ring as true as you'd like them to, you know, when they come on literally the day where, uh, you know, they need to tender him a multi-million dollar contract. Um, but I hope that what they are all saying is true. That That is my ultimate hope for this. I, Brendan and I don't have any agency in this. I, I don't get to decide whether he plays for the Cubs. Um, so, you know, us sitting here either railing against it or supporting it, I, I don't I don't really think that it has much of a point or carries much weight. Um, but what I, I, I will say and what I do hope is that what Theo says uh, about the Cubs being committed to helping him and, you know, trying to prevent something like this from happening to another person and, you know, with Addison again, I hope that that's true. I hope that that is what's happening behind the scenes, and and I hope that that's true. And uh, Addison's ex-wife, Melissa, on her Instagram, you know, answering some questions from her followers, you know, was asked about, about this, about the Cubs tendering him a contract, and she said, you know, I hope that he does grow. He's the father of my son, and I hope that he does grow as a person and that the resources he's being provided can help him in that process. So that that's where I am on on this. Uh Brendan, I don't I don't know if you want to add anything, but I, I have I have basically little to add. I, I I think it's really difficult to talk about this situation. Um especially, of course, with no experience with that whatsoever. The first and foremost, you hope that what Theo and Addison are saying, like you said, Corey, are true. And I think whether or not this decision was appropriate or the correct one will be determined months from now when we actually see Addison and the Cubs continue to make positive, tangible steps in this, right? Like we haven't really seen anything tangible come out of it that's that's positive yet that's actually addressing the issue at large here so it's to be determined i think what theo outlined what addison said is positive steps what melissa said seems to be what she wants i guess i'm not sure um so that's that's where i am with it i think this is more than a than a baseball issue at large if addison was not brought back I would have been fine with that because of the off-the-field issues. The reality is he's currently a Cub. I will say the Cubs do have a sound psychological um, foundation with their mental wellness program, with their ability to reach out to psychologists. So if that actually is being part of the equation, and I hope it ends up being for the best, and that's, that's where I am. I hope the result from this is positive and that's that's where I am with that. Yeah, and it's it's a tricky situation for the Cubs because, you know, like it or not, you know, they are they they have to be upfront about this stuff and and they have to be clear about what they're doing because, you know, again, like they they did 
employee role as Chapman. They're dealing with this Russell situation now, and these are serious issues. Domestic violence is a very serious issue, and uh, again, I, I think that if you're going to, you know, kind of look at the baseball perspective and, and focus on that, you know, the Cubs at this point, they, they need to be clear about what they are doing as far as this stuff relates, because this is, you know, these are very serious situations that they've now had multiple of in, in the last couple of years. So, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a tricky spot. And, and that's why I think we say that, you know, you read these words from Theo and, and they all sound good, but ultimately it's, it's whether or not that's actually happening behind the scenes. Um, and and again, that's, that's, I think what anybody's hope is. I, I don't, I don't really care, uh, at this point, so much about Russell's on the field performance as it relates to this, because uh, I think that, you know, I, I I certainly don't think the Cubs would have non-tendered him just from a baseball perspective, um, you know. But at this point, we're we're dealing with a guy who, as we've said before, who knows what his role would be going forward, even if the these this you know, uh, even if he had not done the things that he has had done and has now admitted to um and i guess kind of cryptically apologize for um so that's all just to say that again i i think that the, the the key here is i hope that what they are both saying and what melissa is saying is true and that yep. everybody from that situation addison his ex-wife and his son in particular have a better future ahead of them because of this. And again, I, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if these are, you know, just kind of like empty platitudes. I, I don't know. And I'd be lying if I said I did. But I, I hope that they are. And, um, you know, I, I, I understand there are definitely a lot of people who don't feel that way and, and feel like the Cubs should not necessarily be the ones uh, doing this and, and perhaps they might be able to help him without him, you know, getting paid multi-millions of dollars to play baseball. Um, and there's a certainly large contingent of the fan base that absent of any of this, just from a baseball perspective, don't want to see Addison Russell on the Cubs anymore. Uh, that's certainly not, you know, out of the question. So, um, it's, it's a tricky situation, but mm-hmm. I, again, I, I think that's all that, that we can really do. We, we don't make these decisions. Um, you know, you can certainly relentlessly boo him and, and boo the Cubs if, if you feel like it. Um, but at this point they did tender him the contract. So right now he is under a contract with the Chicago Cubs. And I, so I think that all that we can do at this point is, is hope that the, the situation and, and the reality gets better from here. Um, but that is, kind of where we are in Cubs world here. It's it's a very – this has been a very strange offseason, Brendan. And, I mean, I think even <laughs> going back to – Yeah, I mean, I think even going back <laughs> to the ready. the 2018 season, it's it, it's been a very strange calendar year for the Chicago Ever since Cubs. September started, man, it's been nothing but, <laughs> nothing but downhill. Very oh, strange. No, yeah, Ugh, disgusting. And, you know, this is also in an off season where, you know, yeah, I mean, I think going into it, we kind of just thought that the Cubs were going to go after Machado or Bryce Harper, and that was kind of going to be our big thing, is which of these top-tier horses are the Cubs going to be in on? 
and you know the Cubs are angry Theo's angry let's see what they do and you know at this point Brendan we've gotten what we've gotten rumors about Chris Bryant being available we've gotten rumors about Wilson Contreras being available we've got rumors about the Cubs maybe firing Joe Madden after the season in 2018 after the wild card loss we've got rumors uh, about you know not not even rumors uh you know the Cubs deciding not to extend Joe Madden now we've got half of the Cubs coaching staff in flux and it we're not even done there Brandon Hyde going to interview with the Baltimore Orioles so there have been coaching changes all over the place and it doesn't even seem like we're done with that um and then Joe Madden saying, I think it was earlier this week or last week, you know, that he is looking at himself like a high-priced free agent in his <laughs> last year of his contract, where he wants to perform really well, uh, so that either he gets a big contract from the Cubs or somebody else, you know, because he's a sort of high-priced free agent, which is, you know, his words. So, what is going uh, on? yeah, what is going on? What is is, is going I think uh, in 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 particular my thoughts here it's it's been uh wacky to to say the least um and obviously this week you know again we we say goodbye to Tommy Lestella and Jesse Chavez guys who were you know kind of a part of this group last year so I miss baseball man I don't know all, man, the, all this I kind nonsense. of yeah I mean I kind of miss baseball all this nonsense you know makes me you know, like, am I ready for that uh, again, that whole thing? I, I don't know. It, it's been a very strange offseason, and I think only perhaps going to get stranger. And then, you know, you, you look at uh, just the stuff going on in the social media world. You know, you've seen these pictures last night of Chris Bryant at a, I think it was a Florida-Georgia line concert, which is awful, by the way. I mean, come on, Chris. But he's Bold. there with Bryce Harper— and there's a you know this picture on I think it was KB's Instagram or maybe it was Jess Bryant's Instagram uh, of Chris and Jess Bryce and his wife and Nelly and you're just like I, I don't know what's going on in the world anymore I I, I just have no idea yeah. So that means Chris Bryant to the Cubs confirmed essentially. Yeah, man. I, you mean I, Bryce I Harper. Know. Yeah, I yeah. Well, whatever. Chris Bryant I, is I, already on the Cubs. Thank you, Corey. You know yeah. what I mean. Um, actually, maybe I'm not ready for baseball season because I, right. I gotta say, like, like this is exhausting. I I am exhausted. It's it's not even the winter meetings yet, and ah, oh, I mean to talk about this stuff. It's just like where like ah, I don't even know where to go with this, Corey. It's 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 bizarre that we're talking about Chris Bryant trades, even Wilson Contreras trades in. A contest that makes sense for Contreras. Like, what is what is what is going on here? Um, I don't know. I, I'm gonna kind of like a bold statement. I think with Hayward, I, I think a trade actually might be feasible there with Hayward. We'll see what happens. But there's so many other bad contracts out there, and to see teams like the Mets pony up and get right. Robinson Cano with basically no money coming back. I know he got 20 million coming back, but like, still. Paying a lot of money for a 36-year-old Robinson Cano. Maybe trading Hayward may happen. We'll see. Strap in. It's going to be a wild offseason. Got the winter meetings in, what, a week and a half, two weeks here. It's going to be insane. 
Yeah, the winter meetings actually start uh, this coming Sunday. So if you guys are listening to yeah. this on Monday morning, uh, this coming Sunday, the winter meetings begin in Las Vegas. I will actually be in Las Vegas just for Sunday. I'm going to go watch uh, the very stinky Chicago Blackhawks play the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday night. And so I will... Uh, Maybe you'll see uh, Chris Bryant there. I'll, I'll try to... Well, and I, you know, I'll try to run into Theo or Jed if I can. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. get some scoops. Like, guys, what's going on here? <laughs> like, um, g- give me the deets. Are, are we getting... Uh, d- what's the deal with this payroll? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can. But I'll only be there for a day. And, the, you know, so that's just the day that everything starts. So I expect a report that Monday coming back. Yeah, no, if I run into them, us. like, in an elevator or something, I'm just going to, like, whisper, j- just tell me what luxury tax we're playing with here. Which threshold? You know, Blink just, four times if it's the top one. Yeah, just just <laughs> tell me. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, again, as always, uh, we will be ready to jump on here if there is uh, a major signing, a major trade, you know, or anything major that happens as it relates to the Chicago Cubs. But you know, for now, um, we're just kind of keeping up with all of this it it's it's a bit all over the place with everything so it seems like something major could happen at any second or just as easily not at all so just stick with us but yeah as we get into the winter meetings here um again at the at the end of this week if you guys are are, are listening to this on Monday morning i would expect things to hopefully ramp up uh you know that typically obviously is a time where where things kind of get really interesting and you know by then teams will have had at least over a week to kind of peruse that new list of players that were non-tendered kind of get a bigger look at at the landscape of things and uh, you know obviously like you said Brendan we're kind of coming out of uh, a pretty major trade with the Seattle Mariners and the New York Mets so you know maybe something like that kind of kind of gets things jump-started or, you know, now you obviously have two teams that probably are not done dealing and have some more stuff to do to kind of make those moves make sense. So uh, hopefully something, be it the winter meetings, the the Mets and, and Mariners trade, whatever it is, hopefully something jump-starts this, this offseason because last year was slow enough and I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to uh, be like three weeks out from spring training with marquee free agents still having not signed somewhere like we saw last year. So stick with us. We'll, again, be ready to break it down if something major does happen. Uh, but I, I think other than that, that's that's all we have for you. It was, it was sort of simultaneously a very busy week for the Cubs, uh, but ultimately, you know, not not much earth-shattering really happen. So it's so kind of a weird place to be in for now. But uh, other than that, uh, I think that's all we have for you. So as as per usual, we thank you guys for listening very much. Uh, we still continue to see those five-star reviews and the comments coming in. Um, and, and really, I mean it. Uh, basically, every time one comes in, Brendan uh, will share it with me and we kind of you know, remark just how cool it is uh, that people are willing to do that and that people listen to us at all. Um, you know, I mentioned before that we've we've gotten some some comments from people listening to us all over the country, people in other countries, in different parts of the world. Um, and I really can't 
express how cool that is uh, for us that we get to you know kind of ramble on about the Chicago Cubs and people are listening to us not only in Chicago but all over the the world that that's that's really cool and and we really appreciate it um, and we love doing it uh, for us and for you guys so uh, we appreciate that as always you can find us on iTunes the Apple Podcast app. Uh, Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, is the the new site instead of Blog Talk Radio. If you were listening to us there before, we are available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, etc. Uh, I think all of the major podcast listening mediums, uh, as usual, if we're not somewhere that you prefer to listen to, uh, we can certainly make an effort to get ourselves on there, make it easier for you. Uh, you can reach Brendan at Cubs Related on Twitter. I am at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Cubs Related is also the Instagram handle, though that is me you would be speaking to. And you can also follow both of us uh, over at CubsInsider.com. And the Cubs Insider handles on social media are at Real Cubs Insider. Other than that, those are all the words I think I have for you. Uh, again, we thank you guys very much for listening. And whether we are in the midst of the off season, the winter meetings, or the Cubs have a game tomorrow, go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.